I'm so honored to be preaching here at Joint Large Group. Um, okay, so I'm just going to get right into it. I'm only going to be preaching out of one verse today, one verse only, okay? And we're going to go deep in this verse. It's, it's going to be out of 1 John 4.18. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 John 4.18. And since it's only one verse, we're going to read it together, okay? 1 John 4.18, I'll be reading out of the ESV, but whatever translation you have, it doesn't matter. Let's just read it out loud and proud. Are you ready? One, two, three. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. I'm going to be reading this one more time from a different version. I like this version. It says, such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. I won't say all. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his love. The title of my sermon today is called Casting Out Fear. Casting Out Fear. All right, let let me pray for us and then we'll begin. Father, I thank you for today where we are able to gather from different campuses, different backgrounds to really worship the one living God. I thank you, God, for your love and the way that it permeates through our entire life. And I pray, Father, that as we are gathered here, that you will give us, show us, cause us to experience your love tonight. And as we experience your love, Father, may we see how fear is casted out from our life so that we may live our lives in perfect peace, in perfect love, full of boldness and confidence in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, I was going to actually share a story about me, about my life, and, and how I experienced, you know, different moments of fear. But as I was preparing for this sermon, I remembered a really great story about my husband. So, you know, I had the mic. I'm going to put him on blast. And I'm just going to share a story. And I mean, I mean don't worry. I, I asked for his, you know, babe, can I, can I share this story? He graciously said yes. So all of this is with his consent, all right? So uh, my husband and I, we've been married for two and a half years. We met actually here in Korea, you know, which is, which is very confusing for me till this day. Uh, because I thought that if I ever did get married, Married in Korea, I would meet a nice Korean-American dude. You know, we'll move back to Virginia, where I'm from, and we'll live in our nice suburban home because I love suburbia. You know, but, but God had different plans, and we ended up, you know, I ended up meeting this handsome black man in Korea, and then we ended up getting married. We're, we're ministering together. We're still living in Korea together. I mean, I mean you, you have a plan, but God has a better plan for you sometimes, right? <laughs> My husband's the loudest one. <laughs> so last year, we went to Australia for a ministry trip. And we ended up taking a small vacation to the Great Barrier Reef. Do you guys know where that is? Now, something that you have to know about me is that I love swimming. I, I love the water. I love the beach. I love the pool. I just, I just love water. I, I took swimming classes ever since I was young. I must be by water every summer or else I go crazy. Like, I love swimming. But my husband, on the other hand, doesn't like water. 
He doesn't like being in water. He doesn't like being really wet. I mean, when we're, whenever we're at the beach, he's always out on the sand, sprawled out, reading, you know, waving to me from land as I'm out in the ocean swimming. Um, so he really doesn't like water. So obviously when we suggested, hey, let's go to Great Barrier Reef, you know, I made the suggestion. <laughs> it was my idea. It was a huge sacrifice on his part. So, so we're out there in Great Barrier Reef. We're swimming. And um, I mean, it's great. Some of, some of the corals are actually starting to die because of the pollution, but, you know, we're swimming out further and further from the boat because we're trying to see more colorful fish and, and reefs. And as we're swimming, I mean, it's, it's beautiful. The sun is out. We are in the middle of the ocean. This is, uh, Great Bear Reef has been on my bucket list ever since I was young, you know, so this was a trip I've been dreaming about, uh, ever since I was little. So I was like so happy. I was excited, right? So we're like, you know, in the beginning, we're like holding hands. We're both wearing life jackets and like, it's cute. It's romantic, right? And then I look around and all of a sudden my husband is not near me. Right? And I look up. I'm like, where, where'd he go? And over there, you know, uh, they set up different like floaties, like stations where you can kind of rest. Um, so I see my husband way over there. So I swim over to him and I'm like, hey, babe, like, what's wrong? Why are you over here? And, you know, he's, I hear him breathing, like, <sighs> I'm like, babe, what's wrong? Are you okay? He goes, you blocked my way. And because you blocked my way, because you were looking at a fish, I couldn't get through. And I started to panic. And, and I looked at him, and at first I was, like, going to laugh, but then I realized it was serious. And he straight up had a panic attack, like, in the middle of the ocean, right? So, I mean, it wasn't funny at the time. You know, it's kind of serious. I was trying to be loving because that's what you're supposed to do, be loving to your spouse. So, you know, I'm like, babe, are you okay? Do you want me to take you back to the boat? You know, so I take him back to the boat. Um, and he's like, babe, you can go out. You know, I'll join you later after I catch my breath. And I was like, okay. So I'm, like, going out there. But then by this time, I'm, like, physically and emotionally drained you know, I'm like, but you know what? It's okay. We paid all this money to come here. And then right when as I'm like starting to enjoy again, the horn rings for us to come back. You know, so that was a trip. <laughs> so the next day we're at my friend's house and we're, we're, we, uh, you know, we're sleeping over at my friend's house. And all of a sudden I wake up in the middle of the night because I just sense someone looking at me. Did you guys, do you guys ever get that? You just sense someone looking and I literally I wake up because of that and I realize that it's my husband and he's leaned over me like this right I'm like what is going on now you have to understand my husband he actually sleep talks so he sleep talks a lot especially in our first year of marriage he would sleep talk a lot and usually his his sleep talking was actually kind of sweet kind of cute you know he would wake wake up sleep talking saying babe I love you Babe, I love you so much. Some of the girls are like, ah, uh, it's not that cute when it's the middle of the night, you know. Uh, but anyways, his, his, usually his sleep talking is pretty nice, pretty sweet. But in that moment, as we're sleeping at my friend's house, it was pitch dark. It was like a darkness you could feel, you know. And he's leaned over me and he goes, do you want me to die? Let me tell you, I felt fear in my heart at that moment. And I felt my heart just sink. And I heard him, I was like, what, babe? He goes, do you want me to die? 
I got so freaked out. I was like, oh, my goodness. And then so I, I decided to ask him, what? what are you talking about, babe? And he goes, the swimming instructor said that you're not supposed to swim over there. And if you swim over there, you will die. And I realized he had a traumatic moment from swimming at Great Barrier Reef. And that was his trauma. That was his fear. But I had fear from that moment of him asking me if I wanted to die. I mean, seriously, in the middle of the night, I felt so much fear, right? So we, we both experienced fear. So what does it mean to have fear? What is, what is the definition of fear? And essentially, to be in fear means you're either scared, anxious, or afraid. You are in fear when you feel like your safety and your security is threatened. In the original language of this verse that we read, 1 John 4, 18, the word fear here is the Greek word phobos, where we actually get the word phobia, right? I mean, there are all different kinds of phobia. Uh, there may be uh, people that have fear of water or fear of heights or fear of spiders. Uh, there's like random list of phobias, you know, like fear of dots. Anyone have that? Like when the dots are clustered together and it's like, I, I don't know, something about that really grosses me out. Like it definitely threatens my sense of security and safety. So, I mean, it's, it's just so random, all these different phobias that we may have. But as we go through, you know, different phobias and different scares and different things that we are scared of, we need to ask the question, what is the ultimate root of fear? Why do we live our lives fearing different things and allowing fear to have such a huge platform in our lives? You know, we need to properly understand fear what exactly causes us to be afraid or anxious? What really threatens our safety and security? Because then and only then are we able to move to a path where we live our lives free of fear. Where we, we can begin to cultivate a lifestyle that is rid of all fear. So I want to ask the question, what do we fear? What do we fear? We can fear many different things in life, like I listed, right? Whether it may be fears of lions, tigers, and bears, right? But essentially, the fear of, of the different things that we have, essentially, it is the fear of the end of something. The end of something. Everyone say, end of. Sometimes people are scared of the end of life. That's why when people have fear of heights, they truly believe that when they walk on the bridge that they will experience the end of their life, right? They have fear of the end of life or fear of death. Sometimes we might fear the end of a relationship, whether it may be with our family, friends, boyfriend, girlfriend, whoever. We may fear the end of relationship. So when there's disagreement or tension or strife, we're so scared because it might affect the quality or the intimacy of our relationship. If we say something wrong or do not appear a certain way or do something to gain the approval of, it might cause my friends to look at me a certain way. And it might cause the end of relationship, right? Some of us may fear the end of a dream. Now, I know I'm talking to college students, so you guys must be all full of dreams, right? 
dream to either get a good job, right? Dream to achieve a certain level of success. Dream to get into that company. Dream for a family. Dream for a certain thing. But sometimes the things that we do or don't do might, might make us afraid of the end of this dream. That's why whenever we don't get that grade or that connection or that internship, we are so anxious because we think that it might be the end of our dream. We fear the end of something. Everyone say end of. So when we experience this fear, how do we usually react, right? There's different reactions that come from fear. And I believe that there are three ways that we as people usually react out of fear. Okay, so the, the three reactions are this. It is fight, flight, or freeze. I won't say that. Fight, flight, or freeze. So whenever we feel like our sense of safety and security is threatened, we either respond by fighting, flighting, I don't know if that's a word, or freezing. Okay, so fight, flight, or freeze. So when people are experiencing fear, when they are scared, when they're anxious, when they feel like they're going through something that is uncertain to them, there are some people that respond by fighting. And this area of of response is those people that act impulsively, those that are rash in their decision-making. They start overreacting. They They start moving very fast forwardly, not in wisdom and in peace, but just by reacting, moving because they have this fighter instinct in them. We can see a clear example of this actually from Peter, one of the disciples of Jesus. When Jesus gets arrested, what does Peter do? Does he say, Jesus, don't worry about it. I believe that you are God the Father and you will solve everything. No, he, he as Jesus is getting arrested, he feels a sense of his safety and security being threatened. So he grabs a sword and cuts off someone's ear. I mean, that is not a very smart thing to do, right? Like, Peter, Jesus is calm. Why are you acting impulsively? So Peter had this huge fighter instinct in him. And some of us can act like that. I definitely act like that. Whenever I'm stressed or worried or some decision makes, you know, we need to happen, I'm more, not a thinker, but mover, right? Even when we get out of the house and my husband's like, hey, we're going to go to this place. I'm like, all right. As soon as I leave the house, I'm like, he's like, babe, it's this way. I'm like, oh, okay. You know, like, I'm just, I just act first. Uh, So some of us, we we are more fighters. Other people tend to go in flight. And to to react from fear out of flight means these type of people, they usually tend to run away or hide. They are more passive. They they don't want to face their fear. Like, facing their fear is such a foreign idea. And we can see this out of Genesis 3. Adam, when he sins, him and his wife, they hear the footprints of God in the garden. And what does Adam do? Adam does not go up to God and say, God, forgive me for my sin, but I still love you. No, no. The first thing Adam does when he hears God's footsteps is runs away to a bush and hides. He has a flighter, right? Flight. I will, I will run away. I don't want to face my fear. He has that kind of instinct. More passive will not face their fear. 
And there are others of us, and I believe that people can be a combination, is freeze. Some of us freeze in fear. The greatest example of this is um, for me when, like earlier this year, I found myself having a lot more free time. So I wanted to be more creative this year. That was like one of my goals. Any, any creative people in the house? Creative? Artsy? Man, everyone should be raising their hand. Like, come on, everyone. Like, you are all creative. Come on, that's, that's a truth I want to speak over you, okay? Creative. You are all creative. All right, so... I wanted to be actually more creative. My husband is known to be like the creative person. Okay, he is, but I mean, I'm creative too, right? So, so I wanted to be creative, work on my creativity. Uh, be, people would pray over me saying, you actually need to start, you know, like doing something to be creative. So I was like, yes, I got this. This is, this is my year. And, and I found that the biggest obstacle to me actually starting something creative, me actually creating me actually developing or designing was actually fear. Fear of failure, that I'm going to, I'm just, this is all going to suck. This is all going to be nothing, you know. Fear of uncertainty. Where am I headed? What am I going to create? Can I know all the steps before I create this? You know, like fear of uncertainty, fear of, fear of perfection. Everything I had to do has to be perfect. I mean, who can create under that kind of way, Right? I found myself frozen, paralyzed, unable to even take a step because I had so much fear. As we're moving in our lives and, and going through different, different things in our lives, there are three ways that we react out of fear. And it's fight, flight, or freeze. But the thing is, God doesn't want us to live our lives of fear. Amen? Amen? He doesn't want our lives to live like full of fear, being scared and anxious. But it says here in 1 John 4.18, the verse that we read together, that if we are afraid, if we're scared, if we're anxious, if we're nervous, it is for fear of punishment. Punishment. We think that we're going to be punished uh, maybe by leaders, maybe by professors, maybe by God even. There's this fear of punishment that God might end our dreams, that God might end certain relationships, that the professor might give me a grade that might end my dream. There's a fear of punishment. But if we are afraid, this shows that we have not fully experienced God's perfect love. So my question for you is this, how do we get rid of fear? How do we get rid of fear in our lives? You know, there are two ways that we can live our lives. There's only two, okay? You can either live your life led by fear, or you can live a life led by love. And love and fear, it cannot coexist. It cannot stand together. You cannot have a little bit of fear and a, and a little bit of love. You cannot have majority love and a, still a little bit of fear. No, it cannot coexist. It can't stand together. It's repelled by each other. So you are either living in fear or you're living in love. It cannot coexist. Someone says it like this. Love cannot be mingled with fear.
you know, if we are anxious and stressed, if we find ourselves responding or reacting in the three ways that I talked about, fight, flight, or being frozen, unable to move throughout life, then that means there's an absence of love. If we're living our lives in fear, that means love is absent. But you know, God intended us to live a life of great boldness. He didn't want us to be living lives, slaves to fear, in bondage and chains, unable to move because we're so scared. It says in the Bible that God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but of power, love, and a sound mind. He didn't give us fear. That's not the portion, that's not the inheritance, that's not the design or the plan that he had for our lives. He didn't give us fear, but what did he give us? He gave us power. He want us to live a powerful life. Not one that is crippled by fear or unable to even take a step because we're so scared and anxious. Whenever we get a bad grade or things don't work out as planned, he doesn't want us to just be stuck and depressed and down in our lives. No, he wants us to live a life of power. He also wants us to live a life of love. When you experience love, you know, not just the emotion, but the knowledge, the experience, all of that combined, the love of God, there is something that just awakens in your spirit. When you experience the love of God, you become so heightened in your awareness. And whatever happens to you, it actually doesn't matter. The things that you go through, the circumstances that you're experiencing, none of that matters, whether good or bad, because the only thing that begins to matter is the love of God, the relationship that you're in. He doesn't give us fear, but he gives us power and love and a sound mind. You know, sound mind essentially means he gives us clarity. He gives us confidence. God's people should be one of the most confident people in the world. Not arrogant, but there's this humble confidence. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Like this humble confidence, this assurance that no matter what storm I go through, God still reigns. This assurance that even if I don't get into that job, this assurance that even if this doesn't happen, that God still loves me. That as I continue to my life, as different things are happening to my family, even if those things happen, I believe that God is sovereign over my family. There's this humble confidence that comes. And that's the portion and the inheritance that God wants to give us. God gives us not fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. And I believe that God wants to get rid of fear in our lives as we experience the love of God. You know, for me, um, my earliest traumatic memory was actually when I was in third grade. And I, I say traumatic because, like, like a, I guess a hurtful memory, right? So my earliest, like, hurtful memory was when I was in third grade. And I'm the oldest out of three. And my dad was helping me with my math homework, right? So as he's helping me with my math homework, um, you know, I'm not, I didn't live up to the Asian stereotype of 
being that geek in math, like, that was not my forte, all right? So he was trying to help me, and I was not getting it. So eventually, he sent my brother and my sister outside, and he's continuing to help me with my homework, but he's getting more and more frustrated. So he begins to yell, get frustrated, and just a lot of, it was like, it was like a traumatic evening, right? And through that night, I realized that this mantra, I began to live with this mantra of, you're not enough. You're not enough. I began to live with this lie, and I realized my, my actions, my behaviors began to form around this, this mantra, this lie, this script of, you're not enough. Anna, you can never be your, your, yourself because you're not enough. You are not smart enough. You are not good enough. You are not creative enough. Like, that was the, the core root of fear that I was experiencing, this fear of you're not enough. So I was scared as I was growing up because, you know, it's not like I, like, subconsciously, like, acted out these things, but deep-rooted in me, I realized looking back in my life that throughout high school, throughout college, I was reacting so that that, that fear would be hidden, so that no one else would see what I believed in myself. You're not enough. That's why I would try really hard to get good grades so that I can show my parents I'm enough. I'm good enough. I would help out with my brother and my sister, not because I wanted to, yes, but really to prove to my parents I'm good enough. I'm a good enough older sibling. I would get into that university or, or get that exam grade because I want to prove to people I'm worth it. I'm enough. I can stay here. Even being a pastor, if I didn't preach a certain sermon or if I didn't counsel people a certain way, I had to show that I'm enough. Maybe for you guys, you're not living with this mantra or this, this line of I'm not enough. Maybe for some of you, it's more I'm, I'm, I'm not worth it. I'm not worth being around for. You're going to leave me anyways. There might be different mantras that you might be living with. But for me, that was my mantra. And this year, this year actually was the year where I felt like, like God just hit my core fear the loudest. Like he like struck the chord and I would sing the loudest. Like, like it was as if I would be completely exposed. And, you know, this year actually was, it began for me in a very tumultuous way. Um, I was supposed to be working, but then I ended up not working. I thought I would be earning a full income, you know, to support my family. But then that didn't happen. Um, instead, I would be at home, just at home. And, like, for me, I am not, I'm not a woman that likes to just be at home, okay? Like, that is not my, that's not what I ever dreamed of. I never, you know, I'm not really that good at, like, cooking and, you know, setting up the table or whatever. Um, but, like, I always wanted to be out. I always wanted to earn money. I always wanted to, you know, just be out there and come home later, right? But, but as I found myself being at home day after day after day, like, I, I was just getting wrecked with, oh my gosh, I'm not enough. 
So when Marcus, my husband, would come home from work, he'd be like, how was your day? I'm like, oh, it's good, babe. You know, I did the dishes. I did the laundry. Just to prove to him that I did something. You know, like there was something I needed to show him. To show that I'm not worthless. Do you know, do you know what I mean? So, so this whole year, it was as if like someone was pushing on my life, this mantra. And at first, I was so offended at God. Because I, I was like, God, I thought, I thought you're supposed to love me. I thought you're supposed to be God that is warm and fuzzy and gentle, you know, like embracing me and my weakness. But I just, I just felt this, someone just nudging and hitting this core root. And at first, a while I thought it was the harshness of God. I realized actually it was the gentleness of God. You see, God, I realized, loves me too much for me to continue to live with this mantra. He loves me too much to continue to define my identity or my worth in what I do, in how I act, in how I behave. So this year, a year where I felt so much pain, where I felt so vulnerable, God began to expose this fear and rather show me his love so that I can live in the kindness, in the fullness of his love. First John 4 says that perfect love casts out fear. Perfect love expels all fear. You know, there's a purpose to the love of God. It's not just so that we can know and experience his love. Those are good things. But the purpose of doing that is so that he can cast out. He can eradicate. He can pull out. He can expel every single fear that is ruling our hearts. He doesn't want us to be people that are gripped by fear and anxiety. He doesn't want us to be waving back and forth in our emotions. He doesn't want us to be waving back and forth between ideas and and good things or bad things, but for us to be firmly rooted in the love of God. So his perfect love has a purpose to it, and it is to cast out fear. Once all fear is gone, and remember, love and fear cannot coexist. There is a confidence that rises within us, and we are able to move forward in boldness and in courage because of his perfect love. God has a love for us that silences every fear, and he has a love that addresses every question, every doubt, a love that gets rid of anxiety and stress. And I believe that we must, every time we feel fear, every time we experience fear, each time we we are going through days of anxiety or even stress or tension, he wants us to bring that fear to him so that we can experience his perfect love again. You know, fear, fear is essentially self-centered, right? It's, It's all about me. It's not about you. I don't care about you. It's about me, right? That's what fear does to us. We don't care about our neighbor. We don't care about our friends. We don't care about our leader. We don't care about those that we are in community with. Fear causes us to be self-centered. It's all about me. But love, love causes us to think of others 
It causes us to give. It causes us to, to step out of our own discomfort just so we're able to bless another person. Love is self-surrender. We, we are able to give up ourselves, surrender ourselves so that another person can experience love, right? And we have the person that was able to show us the greatest example of love. He was the person that personified love. He became the very noun, the very person, love. And we have Jesus, the Son of God, who is the ultimate example of self-surrender. He was given as the fullness and completion of God's love for us. He who knew no sin died on our behalf so that we might know the one who sent him. And Jesus, he responds to every fear. When, when Peter acted impulsively, Jesus was calm because he knew that he could carry out the will of God in confidence. When Adam hid in the bushes because he was scared, he thought he would be exposed of his vulnerabilities, exposed in his weakness. Jesus was able to go to the cross and be exposed, fully exposed, fully vulnerable, hanging on the cross. When we are frozen and we are unable to move, paralyzed, scared to take a step, Jesus walked step by step, carrying the cross, going toward the road of suffering because he knew the fullness of the love of God. We have one that we are able to look to that causes all fear to be silenced. We have one that we are able to look to and experience and trust and find refuge in whenever we are ourselves scared because he faced the greatest fear. I want us to close our eyes. And I'm just going to give um, just a time to respond. Um, and I just, want, I just want you to keep your eyes closed and connect with the spirit of God. I believe that God wants us to experience his love for us tonight. You know, for me, one of my biggest, deepest pain this year was the root core fear that I had being exposed. But even though it was a year of pain and discomfort, it was also a year where I began to experience the nearness of his love in a way I've never experienced before. It was a time where I just felt the, the closeness, the warmth of God. Different teachings that would go out, different people that would come and pray for me to encourage me, different people that just showed their love for me. Through community, I began to know God loves me. God sees the pain that I'm going through. God hears my questions, my doubts. God hears the things that I'm saying to him because I matter to him. And for us tonight, I believe that God wants us to experience just a deeper, a depth of experiencing his love again.